are talking about discerning the voice of God. How to recognize when God speaks to you. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you really believe that God has a perfect plan for your life? Me too. Me too. And with this plan, he will accomplish his ultimate purpose. Are you living this plan? For you or are you deciding what you want to do without, without asking God first? Flying by the seat of your pants, wondering where is God? And let me add something else to it. Presuming upon God's grace. What audacity, Brother Caleb, for us to decide what we want to do and not involve God and then ask God to bless it. You need a definition of presuming upon the grace of God? What is God's grace? It's God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. Mercy is when God doesn't give us what we do deserve. You see, God wants you to know his plan for your life. And even though the Holy Spirit reveals the deep secrets of God to you, sister, he wants you to know what his will is for your life. He's not hiding it from you. Which is what Adrian Rogers taught me a long time ago, Brother L.V. He said, God's will for your life is what you would want if you only had enough sense to realize it. That's pretty plain fact, is what that is. Let's repeat our, our prayer for this study. Lord, heighten my spiritual senses so that I can see that which is not visible, so that I can hear that which is not audible, so that I can sense that which is not tangible, and I can believe that which is unbelievable supernatural. Teach me to sort through and turn off the noises of this world so that I can hear and I can discern your powerful, wonderful, pure, and precious word. We are finishing tonight talking about the Holy Spirit. How do you ever cover the Holy Spirit? We looked first at the miracle of the Holy Spirit. The fact that he speaks to us through our conscience, that still, small, quiet voice within us. Exactly what the Father says. His will, his deep secrets, up close and personal. And then we looked at the conscience and the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit speaks to us by our conscience. That still, small, quiet voice within which must be transformed into Christ-likeness to change your mind, your thoughts, your will, your desire and determination, your emotions, the way that you feel, so that you can reflect His thoughts and His feelings. You can follow in His way. You can accomplish His purpose by an individual plan specifically for you. Let's look at the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The fact that he wants to lead and he wants to give direction to your life so you can quit meandering and just floundering around. What hinders me from hearing 
is that I am taken up with other things. Circumstances, people, things, and worry that rob us of our joy of hearing God direct our individual life decisions so that God may speak what he likes, but you just don't hear him. You're distracted by the world, preoccupied with what ultimately doesn't even matter, flying by the seat of your pants, just, I guess that's what I do. The Holy Spirit is God's control tower. Ms. Ruthann, the Holy Spirit sees the end from the very beginning. Why does God ask you to climb up into your watchtower? Why does God want you to get into a place separate from the world, set apart from him, so that you can get up higher, you can get closer unto him, and you can see clearly. That's what he wants you to do. You see, remember this. It's ultimately for your good, but it's for his glory. And understand this. It's not just the destination Though if you don't know where you're going, any wind will do. But it's more path than just the destination. God is concerned with us learning and knowing one another yes. on the journey. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, the journey is where it's at. This is where we learn about God. And more than just about God, we learn God. And God learns us. The Holy Spirit will never tell us to do anything that isn't in God's will. He speaks exactly what he hears to influence our minds, to influence our will and our emotions and our bodies to desire what is pleasing unto him. Our responsibility is to cooperate God didn't reveal to you what he wants you to do for you, Brother Keith, to decide whether or not you want to. No, he did not. You see, he wants us to cooperate by obeying his promptings, those Holy Spirit sensings, those thoughts and those feelings, and bathing ourselves in the word and in prayer because he wants us to test the Spirit. Well, why would you have to test the Spirit? Because you see, when you got saved, God did not do away with your flesh and your body and your soul. There's a struggle that goes on inside of you. The Apostle Paul talked about it. He said, there's a battle that's raging within me. I won't, but I do. I don't, but I do. It goes on all the time. How do you test? The Spirit. Now, this is in your handout, too. It's under called the five M's. I'm a five man. I'm a five W. I'm a five M. I'm a, and I can tell you all of them. Let's look at the five M's. First, there is the message of the Holy Spirit, that still, small, quiet voice that's expressed in your feelings and in your thoughts. Now, come on, really. Do you think you thought about that? I've said it every time we've met. Ashley, Frida, I really feel like this is what we need to do. I think this is what I'm supposed to do. This is that message from the Holy Spirit that you have to test. Secondly, 
there's the mode of prayer where we repeat back to God what we thought and we felt we heard. Dear God, I feel like this is what you're wanting me to do. I feel like you're wanting me to sell my practice and go to seminary. God, I'll sell everything i got. I'll leave tomorrow if you would just call me. You repeat it back to God in prayer. Ladies and gentlemen, prayer is more than just a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue between you and God. Two people who love each other, conversing with one another. Third, there's the model of Scripture. Does what you feel and does what you think, these promptings of the Holy Spirit, Do they agree with who God is and what God does from Scripture? You have, it has to be in concert with God's Word. If it doesn't, it's not of God. And fourthly, I love this. There is the ministry of Eli. I'm sorry, I'm fighting allergies bad. And the ministry of Eli goes back to 1 Samuel chapter 3, where Samuel had been given back into the Lord for service. And he was under the prophet Eli. And he was in the church, the temple, the tabernacle. And he went to bed. And God called him. He said, Samuel. Samuel got up. And he went to where Eli was. And he said, did you call me, sir? He said, no, go back to bed. Went back to bed. Go back to bed, son. Went back to bed. He heard Samuel. Got back up again, startled. Walked into where Eli was at. He said, sir, did you call me? He said, son, no. Go back to bed. The third time he went back, God called him Samuel. Got up, brother. Went to Eli. And Eli said, son, I didn't call you. You go back to bed. And the next time you hear that voice, it'll be God talking to you. That's the ministry of Eli. That's the counsel, the wise counsel of the beloved. That's the fellowship of the believer. That's the church. If you need direction in life, you need to go to somebody who loves you and you love and respect. Brother Danny, what do you think? I seem to be facing a decision. I don't know exactly which way to go. And then fifth and finally, there is the mercy of confirmation. This is where God uses the external. Because you know, you and I, we're not like God. We have to be able to see it and touch it. God uses the external to confirm the internal by circumstances, things that we can see, things that are happening around us, scripture that I can pick up and read, and by people of wise counsel. We don't live in blind faith, ladies and gentlemen. You can test the Spirit to see whether or not it is of God. The Holy Spirit is transforming your conscience. If you look at that 
diagram on the front, it shows the body, the soul, and the spirit of man. And when God's spirit is exchanged for ours, when our spirit comes into submission and surrender to God through salvation, then the Holy Spirit begins to change our conscience. He transforms our conscience into Christ-likeness. He guides your conscience to speak to you concerning God's plan for you, that specific revelation, that who, that what, that when, and that where. The more you develop your relationship with the Lord in intimacy, the more that you can rely on your conscience. Now, you have to be careful because everybody has a conscience. That still small voice within them that tells them what they should say and do, what they shouldn't say or do. But your conscience has to become under the control and transformation of the Holy Spirit because God is not the father of everyone. So your conscience has to be changed so that you can discern God's leading. And then it will become easier for you to know when God is talking to you. And since the Holy Spirit seeks to fill you, now you know what I'm talking about. I know I'm reviewing for you. See, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit at the moment in which you express faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You are indwelt by the Spirit of God. And thank you, Caleb, that every song tonight was about the Holy Spirit. But you must be constantly and continuously controlled and empowered and filled daily by that Spirit. So that you're under his leadership and his guidance and his direction of your life. So that you can live. What would Jesus do? He wants to control your conscience, to direct your decisions, and he will confirm what he is saying to you so that you can see. What happened to Abaca when he took his stand in the stance at the guard post? When he went to his watchtower and he climbed up how? He said, God that I might be able to see what you have to say. Woo! With the events that are happening around you, that might influence your thoughts or your feelings. And then he will confirm that. You see, as we seek to be more spirit conscious, as our source of guidance, we will foster an environment where the Holy Spirit can flourish, feel, and clearly speak to us. Let me tell you where that is. That's at your watchtower. That space, that spot where you can be alone with God, where you can be set apart from the world and set for God, where you can live in intimacy and get closer and go deeper and get stronger, where you can confess convicted sin and you can be washed clean the Holy Spirit will flourish. Where you can expect that God will speak to you, you can't experience what you don't expect. Where you can desire to please and to obey God in worship. Where you can pray in communication with your Father. Where you can study Scripture so that you might know God. And you can be still and silent. No hurry, no worry. Seek out and search for God's solution and specific revelation for your life. We have to retrain ourselves because, you see, we're selfish. And we want things to be our way. 
So we have to retrain ourselves to let our spirit-led conscience be our guide to direct which way to go and dominate our decision-making. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it says, May your spirit and your soul and your body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus. You see, it's the only the Holy Spirit that can change your body and your soul, your emotions, your will, and your mind, and bring you into submission so that you obey and love with a desire to do what God wants you to do with your life. Most of us spend more time emphasizing our bodies and our souls than our spirits. We want to do what feels good. That's the generation I grew up in. If it feels good, do it. We protested the Vietnam War with our long hair sitting in the streets. We want to appease our emotions. We want to seem rational. To, we want to do what's rational to our minds and what suits our will with little thought to what the control tower, the ear of God unto us is saying. We purposely turn our awareness inward and begin to look towards God. How do we begin focusing on this control tower, this Holy Spirit? Well, we begin our day surrendering ourselves to Him. Asking Him to heighten our spiritual senses so that we can see and hear Him throughout the day. And then as we purposely turn our awareness inward, we will begin to hear God. Let me tell you something. You need to begin each day in this way. First, you need to submit and surrender ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. Oh, we're fixing to really get this right then. As a living sacrifice. And then we need to heighten our spiritual senses so that we can hear and see God spiritually through the day. And purposely, willfully turn our awareness inward and say, God, what do you think? You see, if you want to act like Christ, you've got to first think like Jesus. And to think like Jesus, you have to have the mind of Christ. That's why he said in Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. As we put our attention on the Spirit, something miraculous takes place. You see, the desires of our bodies and our souls fall in line with God's. And the Holy Spirit has begun the work of sanctifying you, setting you apart from the world for God. And you can cooperate through obedience and spending intimate time with Him. What is intimacy? Intimacy is getting closer, going deeper, and growing stronger so that you prioritize Jesus. He's first and foremost. You press into him, Nancy, and reduce the distance in the space between you so you become more alike. And you passion Jesus so that no one or nothing else will do. And never, ever can I get been there lately? Have you had to ask him to turn the glory spout off? Mm. I know. 
Let's look at transformation by the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite verses, pastor in the entire Bible, is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Brethren, I beseech thee by the mercies of God that you present yourselves living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. Be ye not conformed unto this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. If I had presented my body to him as a living sacrifice so that it's no longer about me, it's all about Jesus, selfless, I've said no unto myself, and I have placed myself upon the altar of God's purpose and God's plan, I've become dead to myself and alive unto God. If I've been transformed, what do I mean? Transformation is a change from the inside When you got saved, Jesus came in. Through transformation by divine metamorphosis, as a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, no one's ever seen a butterfly become a caterpillar. It's a one-way street. It's a one-way change, so you never want to go back. You never look back over your shoulder at what you left behind you. Now that's shouting grounds. When you are transformed, What's on the inside of you comes out so that you begin to live WWJD. What would Jesus do? You become less of what you are by nature in your human flesh to become more of who you can become in Christ Jesus. What a swap. What an exchange. I believe I have a debt I can't pay, brother. By the renewing of your mind. Now, I've told you, I'm a teacher. I've got to explain all these words. What is the renewing of your mind? If you want to act like Jesus, you've got to think like Jesus. If you're going to think like Jesus, you've got to have the mind of Christ. It's found in the book of Philippians. You want to renew your mind? Chapter 1, pastor, says we have a single mind for me to live is Christ chapter 2 says we've got to have a submissive mind we've got to be willing Lisa to esteem others as being of more worth and value than ourselves did you get to do that today did you treat everybody around you today like they were more important than you were what would our marriages be like what would our houses, what would our, what would our town be, what would our churches be like if we esteemed others as being of more worth and value than ourselves? Yeah, right. The third chapter says we've got to have a submissive mind. Oh, I love this. Everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. And the fourth chapter says, brother, we've got to have a secure mind so that the peace of God shall keep your heart and your mind. To think like Jesus, you have to have the mind, and then you can act Christ-like. 
and then I'm able to prove what his will is. His will is his purpose and his plan, and it's in there too. God's purpose is always scriptural. God's purpose is always general revelation. You can pick your Bible up, brother, and you can turn to it and read the principles and the promises, the do's and the don'ts, and thou shalt and shall not. God's purpose, Caleb, is always to save you, to change you, and to use you to promote the kingdom here upon earth. But his plan, sister, is specific revelation. The who, the what, the when, the where. That's his specific revelation. He will show me that which is good and acceptable and perfect for me. You see, you're made of three parts. If you look at that diagram on the very beginning, your spirit allows contact with the spiritual realm. Your soul allows access to your emotions and your mind and your body relates to the physical realm through your five senses. And as you yield to and obey the Holy Spirit, he conforms your soul to the image of Christ and he uses your body as an instrument to carry out his purposes to the world around you. Living what would Jesus do? Your body reaches out to the physical world. Your soul reaches in to your emotions and your mind and your will and your spirit reaches up unto God, our Father. In Romans 12, 1, Paul tells us how to experience victory with our bodies. Present your bodies a living and a holy sacrifice. Now, you have to sacrifice self upon the altar of God's purpose and plan. Present your body a living sacrifice. You know what that means? That means right now as you breathe. You have to dine to yourself. You have to practice self-discipline and self-denial. You know, there's only three temptations in the world. You know that, don't you? There's the temptation to do, the temptation to be, and the temptation to have. To do what you don't need to do, to be what you're not, and to have what you need not. Those are the only three temptations. If you'll die unto yourself... <coughs> that you overcome the temptation to be what you don't need to be. If you practice self-discipline, Pat, that's the temptation to do. If you'll practice self-denial, you can overcome the temptation to have what you don't need. So think about that next time you go shopping. Never mind. <laughs> You've got to dine to yourself dedicated and devoted to a higher cause, and you've got to become alive unto God. God didn't just want you to die and sit still. He wants you to become alive unto Him. He wants you to be Spirit-filled. He wants you to be Christ-controlled. Living, what would Jesus do? That's where we belong. Paul didn't say to experience victory, you have to fight hard. No. 
He just said you need to surrender your body. And through Jesus, you've already been given victory. You know that, don't you? Oh, yes, Pastor. It's, it's, it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. It says, how we thank God who gives us victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. You want victory in your flesh? Then present it as a living sacrifice. Dead unto yourself to be, to do, and to have. Upon the altar of God's purpose and His plan. For His pleasure, your good, and His glory. Every day you should be a living sacrifice. Submit and surrender yourself. Heighten your spiritual senses so that you're alive unto God. And turn inward and ask God, God, what do you want? And then let Jesus live through you. The Holy Spirit is busy making us like Jesus, but we have to cooperate. We have to reformat our thinking to understand that every part of our body has been given as a tool to do what is right for the glory of God. Give your hands to Him for His work. Give your feet to Him to travel His path. Give your ears so that you might hear Him speak. Your tongue so that you might say what is pleasing unto Him. You see, through salvation we have exchanged spirits. God's spirit for us, we are reborn. Watch this. Through transformation of our soul to the image of Christ, we have been renewed. And then, sister, through our bodies we live out Christ and we replay Jesus. So you have been born again. You have been reborn. Not of the flesh, but of the spirit. You have been renewed on your inside. And you replay. Jesus is what you do. What part of your body do you most struggle with to present to God as a living sacrifice? Is it your mind and what you think about? Maybe it's your eyes and what you see. Or maybe it's your hands with what you do, your mouth with what you say. Maybe it's your ears with what you listen to. Maybe it's your feet where you go. When we became Christians, the Holy Spirit began to sanctify us, set us apart, and change our personalities so that we would suit His design. And we assist in the process of conforming to his image through obedience to his word. You know, God has word in words. God's word is his written word. It's scripture. But the words of God are speaking through the spirit unto us, or spoken through the spirit unto us. And as the spirit conforms us to the image of Christ, the gap between his desires and ours becomes smaller and smaller. The scripture calls that pressing into. Have you ever just searched it? When you go home tonight, get your concordance out and look up pressing. I, Paul said many times, I press on to reduce that space between you and God so that you become one and the same. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen my Father. If you have heard me, you have heard God. Amen. You see, 
when you take in God's word, massive renovation takes place. Your very soul is renewed to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. The last thing I want to speak to you about tonight on the Holy Spirit. We've looked at the miracle of the Holy Spirit, the fact that he wants to reveal unto me the deep innermost secrets of God. We looked at the, the conscience that has to be transformed so that my thoughts and my feelings and, and my will is according to him. We looked at the guidance of the Holy Spirit when we became a living sacrifice, dead unto ourselves, alive unto God. Now we want to look at being, we've looked at being transformed by the Holy Spirit where we become less of what we are by our inherent natures and our flesh and become more of who we can be in Christ Jesus and now in closing, I want to talk to you about being led by the Holy Spirit. I know the Lord is speaking to me when he impresses something on my spirit internally. Those thoughts and those feelings that come to you. And then he confirms it through a person. You ever been in those meetings before, Pastor? Pastor? God spoke to somebody through you. And many times they came up after the service and they said, how did you know that? Did you know what I heard that sermon today? And Sister Jeanette, I think he was talking to me. Amazing. <laughs> and then when God confirms it through a person or a circumstance, please don't dismiss your circumstances in life. As we go through this route, then we're going to begin to see a, a charted path as we look at everything around us and see what God is doing. She uses this example. She says, when I was pregnant, I began a love affair with chocolate. She said, I never had had a taste for it. But something happened that changed my taste buds, my cravings, my unrelenting desires. I had never desired chocolate. Now I can't get enough. That's passion. So that nothing, no one else can do. And never can I get enough. It's better when it's pickles, ladies. Never mind. Um, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. You, you see, he, he changes your taste buds, your cravings for what you want for satisfaction. And under this new covenant in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, it says that God writes in our minds his laws. And he writes upon our hearts the desire to do it. You see where I'm fixing to go? Watch this. Under this new covenant, the Holy Spirit will allow you to hear his voice. God's voice is his word, scripture. It's his words, the spirit speaking, where we sense his spirit through our thoughts and our feelings. We test the spirit and see what God says to circumstances, scripture, and people. But the essence of hearing God's voice is to understand and to desire. Now get this. He will cause you to understand and desire God's will, his plan for your life. And this is the essence of hearing God's voice. 
We look around everywhere to try to discover God's will. Do you? You have that person, hey man, how's it going? What are you up to? Oh, I'm just trying to seek God's will. That ain't scriptural. When I was in Bellevue, Ruth Ann, I, I told you I'm just a student at heart. I could never preach, brother. I'm kind of a teacher. I took notes on everything. And when I went into the classroom, I got all of my buck for the class. I sat on the front row right by the teacher so I wouldn't miss anything. And I could see everything that was written on the board. <laughs> I got it all, Danny. So this seminary student came to me one day and he said, Hey, Tommy, he said, what are you up to? I said, Oh, man, I'm doing all right. He said, What are you doing? I said, I'm seeking God's will. He said, Wrong. He said, you don't seek God's will. You seek God. You live his will. Okay. Now hang on with me. We look around everywhere to discover his will. And we wonder if our decisions are in God's will. Listen to this close. Pastor, you may have to defend me. His will is not our responsibility to discover It's his responsibility to reveal. Do you remember Isaiah chapter 30 verse 21 when the spirit, small voice spoke and said, this is the way. Go you in it. And once God tells you something, you need to do it. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, to prove my point exactly, it's God who's at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. If you look in the NLT, it says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You should desire to please and to obey him and to obey his will for you. Your responsibility is to receive it, to take it and go with it. His responsibility is to reveal it to you, show you, so that you can understand and want to do it. No longer do I frantically search for God's will. I tell you what I do. I frantically search for God. Yeah. It's his responsibility to show me what he wants me to do and how to do it by speaking through his Holy Spirit, his plan, the spoken word, those sensings, those thoughts, and those feelings. And then the word of God that reflects his purpose in scripture. And as I seek him and as I stay in his word and as I continue to, in an intimate relation with him, he transforms my mind and my emotions so they align with his plans and purpose for my life. Let me close with this. What is the difference between seeking God's will and seeking him? Is there a difference? Yes, there is. You see, you don't seek God's will. Rather, he reveals it to you as you seek him and live in intimacy and obey him in all that he says.